0: One thing that I think really slowed us early on in our in our investing is just being lone wolves. We were basically doing everything from, from A to Z because we, we were always raised with that like saving money thriftiness mindset that like how right. can I pay for something that I can do myself?
1: Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons, better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on everyone? It's Ross Nadayi. I'm a real estate agent, an investor, and host of the Real Estate Golden Nuggets podcast. I have an amazing episode full of golden nuggets for you. If you like this podcast and have gotten any value out of it, please share this far and wide to reach as many people as possible. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you so much for your support. What's going on everyone? Welcome to another great episode of Real Estate Golden Nuggets. I have my special guest here, Michael, Michael Watch. If you know him from Watch Properties, he's a very informative, intelligent man. Let me tell you that. And I was, before recording a session, I told him I miss reading some of his posts because he has some great insights all the time. So without further ado, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself for the folks that don't know you and uh, what your portfolio currently looks like and what are you up to?
0: sure first of all thanks for having me on ross i appreciate it um so we we um started investing in real estate about 12 years ago we bought a single family home in hamilton and then we kind of saved up we waited a few years did it the old-fashioned way we bought a second rental about six or seven years after that um Mm -hmm. also another single family home in hamilton that was a townhouse and then we um came across a real estate agent that was investing in the Niagara region. So since then we have moved our in investing and, and our efforts to St. Catharines and, and Welland. We've since sold those first single-family homes. And now we mainly um invest in the burst strategy, doing um single-family to two-unit or legal three-unit conversions. We have one one last single family home that we are in the process of converting as well in our portfolio. Um, so yeah, that's how, that's how our portfolio looks. I've, I've recently started um, coaching as well, mainly working with some younger real estate investors. I, I really enjoy giving back to the community and I realized doing it in a, in a formal way through a coaching program was just kind of an, a, a natural fit for me as I eventually transition out of my full-time job. So here I am enjoying every every single day of this journey. I, I've met a ton of amazing people that I call kind of like the investor circle and the power team that I have around me. People exactly like you. So I'm really lo- looking forward to sharing some some of that info in my journey today.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, just to recap, you so you are currently working. You have a corporate job. You're a coach and you're an investor. You're juggling three, four things like we all are right now. So
0: yeah, I have um I I have a kind of set of tax returns that I do every year for family and friends. I've been trying to bring that list down a little bit year over year, just basically telling my clients that other priorities, including family, you kind of mentioned three big buckets, but family is really at the top there. That's why I am doing all of this at the end of the day, right? It's to create that freedom of time so that you can spend more of your time doing things with family and things that you enjoy. But I've been definitely trying to roll back on the personal tax return preparation. It's an amazing kind of asset to me because I do understand the tax impact of a lot of the things that I do, both from a mortgage and a tax efficiency and a qualifying for maximum amount of mortgages perspective. And so the that's kind of part of the advice that I can provide to any, any partners that I'm working with or, or, or potential students. Cause everyone has tax questions, especially at tax time.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's when you remember. <laughs> 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 it's funny how that works, but uh, yeah. So I, I love that you, you, you kind of described your portfolio and your journey, but uh, I guess just taking a little bit, uh, step back, what, what got you into real estate in the first place? I mean, how did you figure out, you know what, this is, this, is the, this was a new discovered passion for you, right? Like, so how did you get here?
0: Yeah, I, I never wanted to be a landlord or a real estate mogul or or anything li- like that. Um, wh- when I met my wife about 13, 14 years ago, she owned two like really small kind of dingy townhouses in Hamilton at that time. She had really been set up like r- really well from a mindset perspective by her parents. They helped her buy both of those properties and we actually moved into one of them when we met and, and we soon sold the other one. So that was kind of my initial initiation into like having a rental property and, and having tenants in there. So once, once we sold that other one, we were kind of back at square one and that's when we decided soon after to buy the first property in Hamilton. But like a lot of people, um, if there's no one around you, like family or friends, we kind of stumble into it. And, and that's what happened to me. And, and for the first, honestly like seven to eight or, or nine years we had no idea what we were doing in terms of like understanding the rules or putting a good lease together or just interacting and solving like taking care of maintenance items we were like doing it all on the fly it isn't until the last couple of years when we've surrounded ourselves with the right people and also educated our, ourselves to really treat it like a business where we've put in a lot of better systems and a lot of processes to be Um, like business owners versus just people that own a rental property on the side and, and, and try not to worry about it, try not to get any calls from tenants.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. So at the end of the day, it is a business. You're right. Like people think, you know what, I'm going to have a few buckets here, a little house here, a little house there. But it's like to make this operational, to make it work, you have to treat it as a business because it is demanding. It's I know the word passive, it gets thrown a lot, but in reality, you and I both know it's not always the case, right? You just, you still need to be involved somehow, especially when you're starting out, right? Maybe down the line when you are, um, you have a big enough portfolio, you could potentially outsource it all or whatever you want to, but in the beginning, and I think it's good because you get a little bit more hands-on experience and you are, you do need to be involved in my opinion, uh, when you do get started, right? So, uh, with that said, I mean, are you self-managing currently your portfolios? We um,
0: still self-manage two of our properties, and we are transitioning into using a property manager. I've really focused on delegating as much as I can this past year, as we truly want to get to that next level of of, of scaling our mm. um, business and our portfolio of, of properties. So, property management is definitely one area that I've been I've been really happy to de- delegate so far on one of our properties, and as we stabilize and finish rentals on every property going forward we will look to use property manager for that too it's just um not only like a time free up but a mind and energy free up as well knowing that i don't need to worry about listing the property organizing showings do doing the showings even if i had people helping me it's a lot of work if you've never done especially when you have multiple units in the house like two units three units um so i've done it for years i enjoyed it i felt like i was really good at like choosing right tenants and making sure that we gave over our, our units to tenants that like aligned with our values and and that would take good care and 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 pay the rent and we in turn would always repair things and treat them well but it just got into a point where there's um it's 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 not worth it for me anymore to be do, doing that so I will gladly pay a property manager 8 or 10% or whatever per unit per month to take that task off my plate so I can focus on, on like higher value business building activities. Every property that we've purchased has always been a single family home. Um, the earlier ones we would rent as single family homes because that is just the easiest type of rental. They were like nice, newer properties. There was very little maintenance upkeep. Like sometimes we would go a year, a year and a half without hearing from a tenant. If you place the right tenant, you kind of set it and forget it, right? That is truly as passive as real estate investing can be if you set things up right. Since then, we've really focused on buying single family homes that we can add value to, right? So they're they're typically outdated. They are set up to legally allow for two or three units based on the city that we invest in or the zoning or the area in the city. So we currently have um three projects on the go. One is really close to being finished. So I'm excited after about 5 months to be able to hand that off to the property manager and start getting some rent. And then we have two other ones that are probably about 3 to 5 months away from for being finished. We have um, a single family home. It was a four level side split to a three unit that we are just finishing up. So it's, it's a three bedroom upper and two lower one bedrooms. One of those one bedrooms is kind of where the garage used to be. So it's kind of a unique project. There's yeah. a couple of cities that um, allow three units within um, a single family home dwelling. There's going to be more cities that come align with the passing of, of bill 108. Once those additional cities get their bylaws to be in line with with bill 108 which is kind of mandating similar to how we saw all the cities needing to allow second suites a few years ago now Mm -hmm. if the house allows for it, like if there's enough square footage and you can add in another door like a separate entrance um, that'll be kind of like the trend i think going forward as there's a need for a lot a lot more housing in these cities um yeah so we we are finishing that one up we have a duplex conversion in St. Catharines, which it's our first one there working with that city. So we're kind of a, about a month in now and, and and we're hoping that that one will be maybe three to four more months. And then okay. we have another duplex conversion in, in Welland again, which, um, which is a pretty big project. It was a property that we bought pretty much sight unseen. I had received a video from my real estate agent on that one. We knew there was going to be competition. We just went in with our best number mm-hmm. and the actual highest... Offer ended up backing out because it happened to be on the day when the provincial government made an announcement that the, the construction trades were going to be shut down for a period of time. So they kind of got cold feet because I guess they had plans of re- renovating it. We right. we, we were kind of called that night and we ended up buying that one. So, yeah, a couple of different types of projects. Um we I, I felt more like a renovator than a landlord for the last little while because I feel like I have all of these units in transition ready to be stabilized, but it's okay. I've dealt more with contractors than, than tenants in the last 12 months, which is uh, fine by
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I'm sure what's they're all said and done, it'll, it'll pay off for sure.
0: And then we are also in the process of Looking at that next level, kind of, um, we have some, some JV partners that want to passively invest with us. Some are interested in smaller apartment buildings, so something like 6 to 10, 6 to 12 units. So we are kind of actively shopping around for that. And then we have we have one or two JV partners that want to do what we've been doing, which is getting a lot more harder to do in this crazy market these days no matter what city you look at but there are still deals out there if you if you know how to find them and if you ha- have the right people around you kind of helping you find those deals so yeah we're going to keep on kind of aiming to stabilize all of our properties and then continue growing see how many more mortgages the banks want to give us <laughs> yeah. um, but also moving towards some of those bigger purchases where your personal credit does not matter as much then it's really based on the asset that you are buying so whether i have a full-time job or not um, that allows us more flexibility i've really focused on buying as many properties as we can personally and refinancing them while both me and my wife have our full-time jobs and that t4 income because that's what banks love and once one one or both of us drop off from those jobs then we're going to be looking more toward joint ventures in the future um, as well as the coaching. As the coaching, I really, I'm really enjoying what I've been doing for the last few months. And I really see that as a kind of next step in my career um, in this real estate investing world as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. You, you, you mentioned some great things. Yeah. So uh, yeah, for folks that are new to this yeah, when you have residential and you want to go through a lender, absolutely. Make sure you have your job, uh, because it's a lot easier to to qualify for, um, and then yeah, when you go to commercial, commercial, like you said, anything that's I believe at least six is now considered commercial, six units and above. Then uh, it's a different asset portfolio. So the way the banks evaluate that's based on basically uh, how much income the building brings, not necessarily how much you have. Yes, there's a portion of it that they also consider in terms of can you pay the twenty percent or the thirty percent, but. The rest is basically on, it's more of a business is how they look into it. So
0: yeah, it's it's the easiest point of entry for real estate investors or individuals that maybe have a lot of equity in their principal residence or some savings. And they see like a lot of other people around them investing in, in real estate or even one family or friend, family member that, that is having success. And now they want to buy a rental. So everyone's jumping on the single family homes, duplexes, burs. So for, for us a little bit more experienced investors, we're looking at like what's next. Where is it maybe a little bit easier to jump into a different level of asset? And I, I think there's also quite a bit of competition at that next level, whether it's six to twelve or twelve right. to twenty. But you are you are getting the higher you, you get up, the less potential buyers there are for those properties, right? And and it yeah. also becomes a lot more creativity. Um, like comes into play when you're trying to structure those deals with vendor like seller financing and just Mm -hmm. with like some lenders that are a little bit more aggressive when they look at your whole portfolio or other things that you can, that you can do that you cannot do on the a lender residential side.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And then speaking of which, so you mentioned you have been mainly focused on Hamilton and and Niagara region. Um, is there any other markets that you're also considering? And if so, what are, I guess, the key criteria you look for when you are evaluating certain markets?
0: Yeah, so the, the first part of your question is is a good one if if I'm considering other markets. And it's something that we spend a lot of time with our students or just any investor that I talk to. it's It's focusing on like one or maybe two markets and really becoming an, an expert in those markets. So I mm-hmm. see like investors going to Sudbury or to Timmins or to like Windsor or 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 east towards Oshawa or Barrie where they've been there for years and it's it's really like I try to avoid shiny penny syndrome as much as possible. So I feel like I'm an expert in Welland, St. Catharines, like that that those parts of the Niagara region and also Hamilton because I live here. And I don't, I don't stray. I see the wholesale listings. I see deals come across my desk in every city. And I typically just take a quick look at them, a fast analysis, and I just file it away. I don't spend much more time. And I definitely encourage others to pick a market, pick a strategy, and just focus on that. Give it three or six months. Try to become an expert on the neighborhoods, on the rents, on the purchase prices, on the ARVs. And then if it's not working, then consider changing markets, right? I look at kind of where the population trend is going. So for for years, like when I first went to the Niagara region, living in Hamilton, which I kind of consider a nice central part of that golden horseshoe, where you can go like, like towards Toronto or you can go towards Niagara. And it's kind of the same distance, right? right. And then I once heard that, Going from the GTA to, to Barry is the same exact distance or time as going from the GTA to the, the Niagara region. So if someone's living in that central area in Toronto or anywhere around the GTA, and Barrie's exploded, like it's it's already like been a really strong city in terms of rents, in terms of appreciation. And so when I started in Niagara, it hadn't yet had that upswing, right? So we've really been able to benefit from a couple of years of kind of like an upswing in, in prices and in values. But I look at like, are there employers setting up shop there? And I know the city of Welland um, is always advertising for providing benefits and like support programs for, for businesses to basically come there and to set up like a headquarters or set up shop. So when I see that, and I see a lot of infrastructure going up and a lot of old houses or old commercial storefronts being renovated, it gives me a good feeling that like the the population is increasing, and that people are moving towards those areas, right? When I heard about the Go Go Train announcement a few years ago, that they were going to start a dedicated line, even though it was only one or two times a day, it's right. it, it you knew it was just the beginning of like that transportation is there, and then the people are going to realize, well, it doesn't matter where I work, I can live there, and and a lot of our potential tenants are from Hamilton or even Burlington or surrounding areas that are trying to rent in St. Catharines or Welland because the rents from where they live are just a little bit too expensive. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the key factors. Like a lot of the main main kind of things that I look for in a city before I choose it. Um there's a lot of really, really good cities to invest in these days. Like I know investors are in London, Brantford, Barrie, Oshawa, like Windsor now, Sudbury is the hot market these days. Yeah um Niagara region's been there for a couple of years
1: yeah for sure and then in terms of resources so uh, do you do you have any recommendations in terms of where people can find a little bit of information like you said population growth or some developments in the area of course the easiest thing is to keep an eye on them, what's going on with, with the news and you know articles and so forth come out but anything particular that you find that uh, or you recommend to your students
0: um, definitely you can Google a lot of that information to find it on the, on the city websites, but I, I, I prefer like actually looking into some of the Facebook groups or the Instagram, like info that is available when you're following an investor in that area and just r- really connecting with agents, with investors, with property managers, with people that are touching properties in that city already, just hmm. to get like a boots on the ground overview of what are they seeing there is there like what types of tenants are coming there what types of big money is coming there that's what i kind of value more because it's more real-time information right absolutely Um, like i always encourage a new investor to do do research on a market and and a big part of that research is to call like at least three real estate agents like ask them what kind of rents they're seeing um i like some of the cities that I invest in, I've seen maps where it's like, stay away from this area. This is the good area. This is the B neighborhood. This is an area that's up and coming. So if you buy a rental here in the next three to five to like seven years, if you're okay, kind of swallowing some rough times, you might see a good level of appreciation, right? So like that, that type of education is the best one. I feel like a lot of people on social media are just very forthcoming with that info like when people reach out to me and ask me about the Niagara region or Hamilton, I always share or I connect them with the, with the right people that I know with a contractor, Mm -hmm. with an agent, with a property manager, whoever it is. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. No, no, those are valid points. And I, I love that you just mentioned that. So yeah, it's basically reaching out to network. I think that's the most lucrative way of trying to surpass all the fluff and try to get to the, to the main resource. And, uh, uh, you, you and I both know our, our community is so uh, giving. It's absolutely amazing. So there's no reason for you not to speak to somebody and reach out to them if you have any questions. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to, um, you know, bring you on here and, and that I can illustrate for for folks that are new is it's just a quick uh, calculation. I know we we talked about earlier, right? And uh, would you mind sharing with us, I guess, how you analyze a deal and perhaps go over one of your deals? Sure, Green. Um,
0: deal analysis is, is something that. I also like share a lot with, with, with students or with other investors. It's really like a muscle that you just need to constantly work on. Um, many newer investors I find just haven't analyzed enough deals on their own and or, or and or they haven't been, be, been able to like analyze deals with more experienced investors together just to learn like here's what a good deal looks like. Here's what a really good one looks like. Here's a so one. And then this is one that you definitely stay away from, right? Like we are bombarded with a lot of so-called deals these days, whether than yeah. on, on market, off market, and it's really a matter of like training yourself to know, like, and to spot that 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 good deal. And the only way it happens is through practice, right? So I've Absolutely. I've had like multiple really good agents slash other investors in my life over the last few years that we are constantly flipping properties back and forth. Like when something either hits the MLS or it comes through email from an off market lead, um, we are like sharing what we think about it. And, and, and a couple of these people are like really, really strict on their number requirements. So we know that when we both kind of feel like it's a good deal, it's a really good deal. Right. Right. But um, for a for a newer investor, I'm gonna bring it up here. One yeah, of the please. things that I that I truly believe in is just keeping things simple as much as possible because it is it is so easy to overcomplicate things and to like be looking for the right template or be like <laughs> making sure that you don't miss any numbers. But at the end of the day, you just want to have a pretty good idea because you should be analyzing multiple deals every single day. Um, you just want to have a pretty good idea of whether you should be passing on a potential deal or analyzing it further and reaching out to the seller or your agent to ask more questions, right?
1: Exactly. So,
0: um, one of the things that we do is, uh, especially birds, because that's what a lot of investors are are looking at these days. I like to do this kind of napkin math and. Hopefully, if you've done enough enough of these and you have a pretty good idea of what the rentals are for these types of projects, you could almost do it in your head, right? So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. here's an example of one. This is kind of a pretty standard deal that we were seeing maybe a month ago, like 6 to 12 months ago before the market has really shot up in the Niagara region. But... If you purchase something for four hundred thousand, you have to put the twenty percent down. So this is eighty thousand out of pocket, right? And you get a mortgage for for three twenty, land transfer tax, legal costs, and some other miscellaneous closing. Let us say it's about five thousand. It could be like six. It could be five and a half. Let's just keep it simple. Um, renovation costs including holding, right? There's going to be utilities. There's going to be interest mortgage payments. So it depends on how much like every property is different and it depends on what you're doing in the upstairs unit but if a basement is costing you 80 to 100,000 like if it's a total gut job and let's say you put a little bit of money upstairs 10 to 15 and you have some holding costs let's just use 120 and then let's say that the appraisal you bought it for 400 you put in 120 and an appraisal comes in at 550 so you're going to get a new mortgage for 80% of that which will be 440 so the, the new mortgage minus the old mortgage means that you, the bank's cutting you a check for the difference between those two so you're getting 120 back so I always like to have this kind of column here's money that's leaving my pocket during these Let's say four to six months of the duplex conversion that I'm doing, and then right. here's money that's coming back to me and so at the end of the day, I basically got all of my rental costs back,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I am leaving in the deal at least for this first refi eighty five thousand, which like i I've done this on a couple of deals, and then one of them I've since refied again, so i've I've kind of gotten the rest of my money order pretty close to it on a second refi. And I always tell people that like, don't just look for, for, for perfect birds or something close to it. Those are like even much more difficult to get these days, right? You're just looking for a good property that you intend on, on holding long term. And if you leave a little bit more money than you want to on that first refi, know that you will, you will just be able to pick it up on the next one. Right?
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Um, and then and then, in terms of running the numbers um, per month, so this is kind of like the balance sheet here. And then mm-hmm. this is the income statement, right? And then a, a lot of investors that I talk to, they are not sure about what type of ROI they should be looking for on a property. And it, it really depends on the strategy. It depends on if you're more of a passive investor and you are okay with a lower ROI, you will park your 100,000 or your 150,000 as your 20% down payment in the property and just let it like earn you like passive appreciation, slowly pay down the mortgage and maybe a little bit of cash flow each month. If you're okay with that, you might be fine with a lower ROI. If you're a burr investor that's trying to recycle your your money faster because you want to scale, you're probably looking for something higher because you want to refi as much of this cash left in the deal on that first refi as possible right so anyways mm-hmm. here's that he, here's one of the most recent duplex conversions that we completed um so some of the some of the items here so yeah, yeah why don't we start at the top we are getting um 1800 and 1500 plus hydro for the upper and the lower here's here's the new mortgage at the at the 550 mortgage amount if we do it over 2.2% and the property taxes and insurance um, I always estimate in the region that I'm investing in about 300 bucks a month. It just seems like like yeah. it's a nice conservative amount. Usually we come in about 250, 275, but when I'm running pro formas for myself or for a potential partner, I'd rather like be a little bit more conservative and have things come out better in the end, right? Absolutely. Insurance, we're, we're landing in the 100 to $120 range for a duplex. I put in 125 utilities so in this case we're paying for the water and the gas and the hot water tank rental i find in these duplexes even in a triplex per month and and i usually cap this in my lease at 300 but i find that all the tenants combined end up using about this much for those for the utilities they all set up their own hydro accounts property management for for two units i find it's either like eight to nine eight to ten percent or some yeah. um, uh, property managers are charging like per unit. It could be 100 or 125 per unit, right? So I put in 250 right. And then vacancy and repairs. Re- if you've totally renovated our property, you probably shouldn't have too much repairs going on for the first little while. I still put in a small amount here. And then vacancy, like all it takes is one turnover for you to lose a month. And, and, right. and that eats into your cash flow quite a bit, right? So even yeah. though we're not planning on it, the actual cash outlays every month for sure are going to be these four because some people self-manage, so they're not going to include the rest of the costs, right? But I like to be as, as as realistic as possible and as conservative as possible. So in terms of the ROI, it's it's the three numbers, right? It's your total cash flow, which is basically the, the rent minus all of these expenses times 12.
1: Yeah, so in, th- in this case, for folks that don't have access to the screen, because they may be listening in, so what we're seeing on our screen is, is the monthly rents right now is about uh, 3300 and the expense, everything that Michael described, is a total of 2760 So that's what we're seeing here right now. That's basically what's left over after uh, basically uh, taking into account the expenses from the monthly yeah, perfect. Account
0: and yeah. and so when we're running our our, our 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 roi the cash flow will be about sixty five hundred our mm-hmm. mortgage paydown based on the mortgage calculator will be about ten and a half thousand and the appreciation i use three percent you could use two or four we've had a lot more recently, but I like to keep it pretty low that yeah. appreciation will be sixteen and a half thousand so if we add up the sixty five hundred the 10,500 and 16,500 we get a total return of above 33,500 divided by the cash left in the deal which was 85,000 before and that gives yeah. us an ROI of about 39%. So like I I look at a lot of deals and I've had students purchase deals recently and like if you get if you've included all of the expenses and like everything in there including the kitchen sink and you've You have all these contingencies and if you're anywhere between like 25 and 30% minimum ROI, it's a deal that you should look at a bit closer, right? Especially if there's any other opportunities, maybe for a third unit in the future, maybe for some storage rental, maybe one of those rents is a little bit under market and you could bump it up in the future. Or or if you just really like the neighborhood or the area and you feel like there's going to be above average appreciation, I don't just focus on the one ROI number and because it's 25 or 30, I say, no, I look at kind of like the entire big picture, how I feel in owning that property for the next 10, 15, 20 years in my portfolio. And can, if I buy that, can I still continue to scale and to have enough capital and enough like mortgage ability room based on the ratios uh, when the bank runs them on me for me to keep on buying more deals.
1: Right. No, excellent point. I love that you mentioned that there, Michael. Yeah. So as, as, as uh, the market is getting more competitive daily, we are seeing that ROI number basically trying to uh, going down the cap rate also is shrinking. Um, But one of the, uh, you know, ways of looking at it, just like you said, is, is, is is what is your goal? I find that it's very helpful when you kind of drill that down into what is it that you're planning on doing? So if you're planning on holding onto the property at least for five years given Given the fact that there's always a natural turnover and even in just uh, uh tenant profiles, if something is undervalued right now someone's renting a two bedroom for seven hundred of course there's ways of you can potentially make a deal with the tenant, but if they, even if they say long term chances are one or two years one of them out of the three let's say in a triplex, will end up leaving, so that will help with your cash flow and then it will it will by that time you have a mortgage pay down you did have some sort of cash flow coming in it has appreciated so it's still a great deal and I want to go back to your point earlier. I think one of the biggest flaws that that uh, new investors have is they look at like the refi the first time and they say, "Oh my goodness, I have to leave eighty five thousand dollars in a deal." Oh, that's not a good deal. They don't realize that had they held on to that property within, let's say, a year, they get given the crazy market right now, and it has appreciated. The second time they refi, that eighty five may potentially go down to forty or twenty. It doesn't like it depends basically basically on what's happening in the market, but. Um, getting a perfect burr is coming a little bit harder and harder day by day. But to your point, I love that you're seeing the bigger picture and you, and you see that, Oh, you know what, if this street is developing and there's going to be new uh, construction coming in just as long as those things do it uh, take in place, you're going to make money. You're still going to make money. So you shouldn't just be blind and pass on everything. If it's not a home run, you have to create some sort of value and think of the bigger picture. If that's what you want to do.
0: Yeah. And um. On the the deal analysis, I I encourage all newer investors to reach out to other people to get help with analyzing deals. So make sure that you have an amazing real estate agent working for you. Somebody that maybe owns their own properties that Mm -hmm. really knows the area and actually put the onus on them when you're walking through a property. Hey, how much do you think this thing will cost in rentals? What do you think the rents are going to be like? is this a B area? Is this an A minus? Is it a C plus? Like tell me all of those things, right? Like put the onus on them and you really want to get to that point where you just feel really comfortable that you can run the numbers on any deal on your own and know this is like good, medium, bad. Because a lot of like many investors, especially these days folks that are trying to look for their first property or even their, their second one, they're basically like afraid to make a mistake and to buy the wrong property. Because if you do, that's really going to slow you down. You don't Mm want to be selling a property a year or two later just to get off from underneath this mess because you bought the wrong property because you didn't analyze or you missed something, right?
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, seek help when it's needed. That's why there's coaches for it. There's mentorship there available there's uh, there's ton of education, there's so much content available uh even in the market but yeah, but most importantly, I love that you mentioned just to reach out to somebody somebody who's done it right um there's one thing reading a book, there's another thing getting an expert advice <laughs> completely different things right someone is, who will know exactly what what your situation is that can give you uh more tailored information um yeah so f- other than you know the deal analysis what is the i think the biggest thing that i that everybody um struggles with is mindset let's talk a little bit about about that right so For somebody starting out, like we said, prices are off the roof right now. It may be a little daunting. They're looking at the calculation and they're thinking, this is not good enough for me. Half the time, I think the the battle here is really the mindset than anything, right? So how do you encourage people to kind of get over that hump and then really get into, you know what? This is for me or I should take action or I pursue this.
0: Yeah, I feel like every week when I get on my calls with my students, I'm talking at least one or two people off the ledge because they're like, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing everything. I'm like I'm sending flyers. I'm I'm door knocking. I'm I'm, I'm taking action. I'm taking all these steps, but I still haven't found this like unicorn deal. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of investors feel that we knew or or experience. Right. Mindset. Oh, affects all of us differently and at different times so at the end of the day like i really just try to bring it down to basics and i remind them that first of all you are in this for for the long run this is not a like get quick rich scheme it's a it's a get rich slowly for sure right over the long term um scheme so i definitely remind them that just because we Like you have certain goals for three months and for 12 months, that's typically what we set up and we get really clear on those. If a month or two has gone by and you haven't bought like the four units that you want, or you haven't added a thousand dollars in cash flow. Like it's okay. Right, right. It's kind of like a casino where you go there and they use 10 decks. And there are 40 aces in those decks, but you might get through a bunch of cards where no aces are going to come up, right? But you know that the aces are in there and they're going to come sooner or later. Just don't expect all the aces to be stacked in your favor at the beginning. And I think a lot of investors... Kind of maybe they either quit early or they make the wrong decisions because they just don't have the patience or or they don't have the solid mindset. They don't have people talking them off the ledge, right? Or just p- p- people that they could share things with. And sometimes all it takes is a chat with another investor and for them to tell you, yeah, like I'm seeing the same craziness in this market. Like I can't buy something for six hundred grand if it's only worth five hundred. It just n- none of my numbers are going to work in terms of ARV and and like the rents afterwards so we really bring it down to basics we 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 like to put things in in perspective yeah. like if they they a, a lot of these students from or, or just in investors in general they need to be reminded how far they've come already what they've built whether it's owning zero properties but they have so much knowledge up here or somebody that owns two properties and that's more than all of their family combined because nobody else around them invests and they have two houses that are going to be paid off in like 25 years already. They're just not giving them enough credit, right? Or we Mm -hmm. have some some individuals that have never like walked through an off-market lead and now they are walking through like multiple properties per week, but just because they haven't been able to have an offer accepted doesn't mean that they're not making progress. They're making huge progress, right? So it's it's a lot of perspective. It's a lot of reminding. And I also really like to um, let investors know how they cut, compare in my mind to other investors that i know and and how i see the challenges that they think is a big challenge or like end of the world or it's getting them down how like that is nothing compared to what somebody else is is trying to struggle through or how like they are so close to a breakthrough that it's only a matter of time if they just keep doing exactly what they're doing exactly what we're talking about right so much of this game and this in this business and in life is just consistency. It's showing up every day, every week, and just putting in the work and not necessarily putting your, your head up all the time to see like, did I achieve it yet? Did I do it yet? Did I get to my goal? Like those things are going to come. So that's yeah. those are some of the key things that I share in terms of mindset.
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. I, I think you mentioned some very key aspects there, persistence, consistency, and self-reflection. I think a big part of it's self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the, the the fact that you mentioned there is you should compare, but also know not to compare yourself to somebody who's been in the business for 20 years and you just started two months ago. It's, yeah. It doesn't work that fast, right? Just like we said, it takes progression, takes time, and you will get there. You just have to be consistent and not lose hope. Uh, but, uh, you know, little compound effects that you or the little tasks you do every day, a compound over time as we know it, so... Uh, yeah, I think motivation is a big big factor. And it's and it's we all humans, we do have days when we don't feel our best and we think, oh, you know what, this is not for me, or I'm not getting anywhere. But it just takes time. That's that's all I can say. I'm I'm on the same boat. I'm not where I want to be. And I know it's gonna take me, I don't know, 10 years, five years, who knows, right? But you just gotta keep pushing, you gotta keep pushing. So as long as it's it is your passion, right? I, I think that's the biggest thing that I can give anybody an advice on is follow your passion if real estate is a job for you, then don't do it. (laughs) Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't think it's worth your while because you will do it for, for the money, but then eventually you're going to give up because it's not your passion. But if there's somebody who is a a coach like yourself, who was passionate about teaching people, it doesn't feel like work for you. Right. I, I would imagine like you enjoy having conversations and you enjoy seeing progression in somebody and you see that you are making an impact in somebody's life. And that's extremely rewarding.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Like, um, Locking up a deal or doing something in our portfolio is amazing. And obviously that's why I do all this, but having like seeing a student succeed or like putting in the steps that we talk about one week and then you get on the call the next week or you get an email on a deal from them like midweek. And it's like, wow, like he or she is doing exactly what we talked about and they are getting out of their comfort zone and they're now posting on social media and they are like cold calling private sellers, like all of these things that a month earlier, they had never tried, never heard of, or they were just simply afraid of doing. So definitely, man, I agree with, with everything that you said as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, uh, Michael, um, I'd love to focus on, on some of the failures or struggles of us coming into this field. What was it for you? What was the hardest thing for you or a learning lesson that you learned, I guess, um, going through this? That you could potentially tell someone else to avoid
0: one thing that I, I think really slowed us early on in our in our investing is just being lone wolves my, my wife and i did everything on our own we would um like renovate the houses that we bought we would find the tenants we would do all the repairs we were basically doing everything from from a to z because we we were always raised with that like saving money thriftiness mindset that like how can i pay for something that i can do myself right and and so i i'd consider that like a failure maybe it's not a failure but it's something that i really try to ingrain in people and like put some perspective to them as they're starting out to like hire that assistant earlier than you need them. Right. Maybe use a general contractor, even though you can do some of the work or you feel like you can oversee trades, like really focus on your goals. And if you want to build a business, you can't be doing all of these things. Right. So we were definitely guilty of like doing our own taxes, um, doing a lot of things around our house that now we've kind of slowly started to delegate now now I'm just thinking about like how else can I free up more of my time and energy these days, right? So that I can focus on like attracting partners, attracting money and finding deals. I'm really looking at that money people deal. I love that book. Yes. If anybody hasn't read it by, by Stefan Arniel, it's a really simple read. And it truly just like harps on those three items, on that magical triangle that any yeah. week that you want to further your real estate portfolio or your journey, like if you just focus a little bit on those three items or maybe pick a week or a month to focus in a little bit more on each part of the triangle, you will have amazing results if you're uh, consistent with it. But I think for a lot of investors, we hold on to too many responsibilities for too long. If we had just let go and trusted others and delegated and also had that mindset shift that it's not an expense, it's an investment that we are spending in somebody, we would be able to kind of scale faster, maybe leave that full-time job faster. So that's that's a share that I have in that area.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, Especially when it comes to self-development, right? I think the biggest hurdle is, is we don't believe in it ourselves. So when you have that that, uh, help, whether it's your your immediate family or whether it's your coach, I think that's the biggest driving factor in kind of leading you to where you want to be. I personally think that because mindset to me is everything. I truly believe that, right? So um, to your point, I love that you said it it is an investment. Like, so you got to think about yourself, right? If you don't invest in yourself, you are the product in this case, right? Michael, people come to you because of your expertise, right? You are, if if you don't know the stuff, you're worthless, <laughs> right? As harsh as that, that sounds, but that's the reality, right? So going back to what you said about the whole money people deal, you, you know, there's a deal aspect. There is the people where you know the contractor and there is the money. The money is abundant in this country. There is so many ways you can get the money. Everybody has money one way or another, whether it's an RSP, with it's a savings, a TFSA or uh, some stocks, whatever it may be. People have the money. They may not have the expertise. So I, to your point, I love that. You just have to connect the right dots, reach with the right people, and, and make things happen. Um, so again, goes back to what you said, build a network, invest in yourself and, and, and get going. Uh, other than that, yeah, anything else that you want to share with us? I mean, that's, uh, I mean, you do deal with students and you've done this uh, first thing on, on, on hand as well. Uh, I would like to go into the conversion aspect, but I know we've kind of covered that previously, uh, but I, I wanted to focus mainly on the mindset and basically areas where did you find students struggling. So I think we covered majority of them. Was there anything else you wanted to uh, mention here?
0: Yeah, I, I can close it off with like some of the main challenges that I see, especially when we're onboarding somebody or or just the questions that I get, because I do some one-off coaching calls as well. And even though we can't get as deep with those individuals, I do try to answer all of their questions. And so mm-hmm. across the, those types of people and then new students, we do see um, individuals are not sure about what city they want to invest in, what strategy they want to use. Right. And... And, and who their power team is going to be in that city so i really like harp on that i really focus one of my first questions is well like is it london is it hamilton or is it barry okay so let's let just pick one city and a, and a secondary market as well like it might be london and saint thomas or like one of the little pockets around there once we get that clear then it's strategy like are you going to be a flipper? Are you going to be a short-term rental person? Are you going to be a burr, or just a turkey buy-and-hold? Because the it's so easy these days with, with, with social media, you can literally watch like a, a YouTube ch- um, a, a video or 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 a podcast, or like hear somebody on a Zoom meeting, and you could be changing strategies every single week, right? Absolutely. So, like like it is it is so much like harder. Like like it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. It's just <laughs> to stick to. I'm a burr investor. I'm looking for bungalows. In this in this city and i'm looking in a price range of like four to five hundred thousand that's all i'm gonna focus in on every family member and contractor and person that touches real estate that i know i'm gonna let them know that's what i'm looking for i'm gonna let at least one of my agents know that's exactly what i want and that's all i'm gonna like live and breathe right and then in terms of the power team, like who are the other people that you need on your team? Like, do you have an amazing broker? Cause it's one thing to know the city and the strategy, but if you can't get the money or the financing for it, because you are not working with the right person, like you need that lined up at the front end, the agent and the broker. And then like you could, you, you could leverage those people, especially the agent to find a contractor, maybe through mm-hmm. their network or a property manager or like anybody else that you need. But answering those those initial questions and also understanding what like resources you have access to, whether it's, can I qualify for a mortgage today? Do I have a JV partner lined up and ready to go? Do I have all the HELOCs or the lines of credits that I need so I can fund my renovations? Or do I need like promissory note money or maybe some other private loans? Like kind of having having a clear picture of those things especially as a new investor is just so important so i always encourage everybody if they haven't like answered those things clearly and actually written them them down so that they can act like in alignment with those goals every single day every week make sure that you are clear on those items
1: yeah absolutely no i, I love it i love it i get the most common question that people uh, ask is is how do I find a contractor? How do you answer that one, Michael?
0: <laughs> yeah, It's all network. Like I found an amazing contractor that, that I use now through through Instagram. Um, I used another one before, which is like very popular in, in the community. And that was through wor- word of mouth. I, I got five quotes on my first duplex renovation because I didn't know anybody. Right. Once I right. saw five detailed quotes, I learned so much about each guy. Like I knew that the guy that took like two weeks to give me the call. He's probably not the one I want to use. Another guy, there was some people that were kind of like not sure if that's a person I should be using. Okay, like there's another one off the list. I really networked and I asked a lot of questions and I just looked on their websites, on their social media. I looked at the way that they comment and that they respond to people, all of that. And then I also did the interviews of them, right? It's so easy mm-hmm. to jump on a Zoom call or a phone call these days and just have the same five or seven questions that you want to ask them to then decide. And and you you can always try one contractor if they're not working out for the next project, just use somebody else. Right. But I yeah. definitely lean on my network and on people that I know to find not just contractors, but any other members, insurance brokers, um, cleaners, anybody. Right.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, we we'll all, we'll all got to start somewhere, but yeah, it starts with, with asking the right questions <laughs> and, the rest, and the right people. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Yeah. And since we're segmenting towards the end of uh, our, our podcast here, uh, what I'd like to know is, 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 you know, if you could recommend us about three books for, for anybody looking to either scale up or uh, get into real estate investing, whether it could be mindset or business, whatever you think is appropriate, what would that be?
0: Um, One of my favorites, which I read recently is a who, not how, And it's, it just really talks about anytime you have a task or an item to do, don't ask yourself, like, how do I do this? Do I, do I go on YouTube? Do I like find a tutorial? Do, do I ask somebody, find yourself who can help me do this, right? Who can do this for me or who can take care of this by connecting me with the right person or the right resource. So that's like a lot of fellow investors. We, we have a book club as part of the coaching. So we just read that two months ago and it it was a big hit, like I really enjoyed it. Um, Money People Deal, I definitely recommend that one alongside with Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think like that's the classic. If you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, definitely do. It's like 10 bucks on Amazon. I've actually yeah. ordered that for a couple of family and friends and had it delivered right to their mailboxes. And I said, make sure you read this thing. Before me and you talk about real estate investing, read yeah. this book. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I also like the da- David Goggins book. Um, I forgot the name of it. That was more of like a motivational book where it okay. talks about David and everything that he had to go through early in his life. And then, in his uh, like trials and tribulations while he was in the Navy. So I I really uh, like that one from like a mindset and just being strong up here perspective. But yeah, I like a mix of personal development slash real estate investing Mm -hmm. slash kind of business building. And I'm currently reading uh, E-Myth Revisited, which is also another good one. And, and, and it really just like tries to knock into your head don't do everything on your own. Don't be the person that's like baking the cookies and that is cleaning up the shop after and that is doing the advertising and the website. And that is like de- dealing with the clients, with the customers. Like you need to have the right people in the right seats on the bus Delegate yeah. it. pay them a good wage. Cause you don't want people leaving after six or 12 months while you after you've invested so much in them, keep them happy, treat them well and, and have that person grow with you as your real estate journey and, and, and your whole enterprise grows. So I'm a, I'm definitely a big proponent. I think we're all learning. Like I'm constantly reassessing who I need. Like we're looking to hire an assistant right now. We're all constantly learning and growing in this area. Nobody has a perfect unless you're like running a multi, like multi-employee company, which all of us dream of that one day, but small steps to delegating somebody to do like driving for dollars for you or your property showings or some of your rentals, you can always start that way, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, At the end of the day, like we said, it's a business. So you have to be able to delegate tasks and focus on the bigger things. What's your, really, what time, what, what is your time worth? That's what it comes down to. And as you progress, it's going to be more valuable than doing the little tasks, like you said. So definitely outsourcing makes sense. Um, And then another thing I wanted to ask you, Michael, is uh, I know we can't travel right now, but if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be and why?
0: I love the Dominican. um, Like we've done we've done a lot of cruises in the past where we hit like Jamaica and a lot of other islands. I always enjoyed those types of trips because the kids feel like it's a big city on water and you yeah. still get the flavor like within a week of three to four different islands and different cultures. Right. Yeah. I would, I, I would just go for a trip to the D- Dominican right now for a week, just to lie on the beach. Uh,
1: and then, yeah, any last piece of uh, wisdom that you want to share with, with with the folks before we uh, wrap this up?
0: I, I would just say um, surround yourself with, with good people and people that have a positive mindset. I think especially these days, it's really important turn off the news don't don't try not to be around people that are too too negative or too caught up in some of the bad stuff that's happening out there whether it's like during the pandemic or or otherwise right you can always focus on negative things i'm a a very positive person i i try to only let people into my inner circle if they align with the type of personality that i want and that has really allowed me to grow so i think from a mindset and just having a positive vision for life, which will translate into being successful in whatever real estate investing you do is is just so important. You don't want to waste any of the minutes that you have each day or the limited energy that we get on the wrong activities or the wrong things.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with those. Um, yeah, Michael, I mean, for folks that want to connect with you, what would be the best way to reach out to you?
0: Yeah, they can um, reach out on Instagram at Watch Properties. Uh, so that's W-A-C-H Properties. Um, we also have a, a website, watchproperties.ca. And then I post a little bit on my uh, private Facebook account, which is just my name. But I, I, Instagram is probably the best spot right now.
1: I'll have all your links in the show notes for the for the listeners here and the audience to connect with you. Um, yeah. And for the folks that want to get coached by you, as would, would your website be the best way to reach out to you as well?
0: Yeah, there's actually a link in my bio on Instagram or they could just message me on any of those of those then uh, use um, on those links for more information. I can I can share some more about that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Michael, thank you so much. You know, this has been a been a blast. I know we we talked about hopefully being able to meet in person once this COVID thing is done, but uh, so glad you were able to join us uh, today and, you know, give us some great insights and great golden nuggets for, for the audiences here tonight.
0: Thanks for having me, Ross. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you can do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. I love bouncing ideas, people, and I love talking real estate. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away.